Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Project Dreammaker podcast. I'm here with Bruce Alexander, who is, because I want to get this right, Bruce, uh, husband to Anne, obviously, dad to Josh, Caleb, Emma, and Steph, coach of the Latrine Hawks under 13 Rep B hockey team, and I'm not going to ask you what their record is, and the president of uh, the Raymond EMC Enclosures Limited, and I'm your host, Stephen R. Burns. I want to talk, when we, when we do this podcast, we always talk, it's for entrepreneurs, it's for artists, it's for those in the game, and we talk about starting out and starting over. So tell me a little bit about your childhood and, and what that was like growing up for you. Yeah, sure. So um, it's funny, I was talking to somebody about this uh, today. I come from an almost good family, and uh, that comes from a, a, a guy I traveled with, and his brother used to hate it at weddings when people would stand up and say, I come from a really great family, really, and he'd always be like, nobody's family is that good. So he always said, <laughs> whenever he gave wedding speeches or stuff like that, he'd always say, my family is an almost good family. So I came from an almost good family. Um, I'm the, I'm an adopted child. Uh, my, uh, my parents, uh, I have a brother and sister, younger brother, older sister, both natural, uh, children of my parents. I was adopted middle child, um, and, uh, grew up on a farm in Cumberland, Ontario. Uh, loved sports, loved, uh, farm stuff. I was a typical country kid, um, and uh, we, my, my parents, they, they owned a 90-acre farm, but they didn't farm it. Um, my dad was actually a PhD in chemistry and just a, a, a brilliant, brilliant scientist. And my mom was also an academic, and he rented our farmland to a, a neighboring farmer. So I kind of grew up with two, two the, the, the country work ethic influence and also the um, the academic approach to everything. And my dad, my dad was a bit of an oddball. Like he approached everything as a scientist. Like everything was about <laughs> testing theory and and um, what you could learn from something and using procedure and stuff like that. So I I, I grew up with a very academic approach to life, as well as um, you know my dad having come from the farm himself. Uh, you know, really a high value of that, that farm, you know, 14 hour days and sweating all day long and don't complain about it. Cause that's what you got to do. Wait, did, so your dad, did he, he grew up on an actual, like, like he grew up on a farm that was farming. Like that was you. Correct. For that's farming? right. Yeah. Oh, I so see. My, okay. Yeah. Now my, my dad's story is really interesting and um, he's been, he passed away in 05 uh, but, uh, you know, I, I miss him so much still, uh, he, he, it's almost like my parents skipped a generation before having a family. Uh, they were both married late. Uh, my dad okay. was born in, in 1914 and didn't get married until he was in his late, late forties. So, um, it was, that was also an interesting perspective. Um, you know, growing up, my parents were the same age as my friend's grandparents. Um, yeah. you know, my, my dad lived through the depression. He lived through uh, World War II. He saw the Cold War. You know the the whole the whole thing. He lived through it. So it was a very interesting perspective. Um, sort of, uh, he had a very old fashioned approach to life, and a very simple approach. In spite of the fact that he was uh, a very talented and competent 
scientist. Yeah, that's, it's a really interesting bridge sort of between two worlds, right? And I, I know like my mom, um, who was an only child, but, but her father was in his early 50s when he had her. So, and, and he, he passed in 1980, but it was the same sort of thing. And, you know, he came from a family of, uh, you know, of, of 11 kids or 12 kids, I think. And so it was just such a, that, you know, that sort of, and, and what's interesting here, like you have one, you know, sort of one generation here and one generation here. But what's interesting to me is that what you, what your business does kind of does the same thing in a way, right? Yeah. Yeah. We, we're, we're an interesting business. I don't Do you want me to sort of explain what we do and see if you can get it it this time? No. (laughs) For those who don't know, know, uh, Bruce and I did this interview before and then uh, something happened and the most of the interview was lost. So we're, we're, we're doing this again. And I'm going to say the same thing I said last time is that the, the office meme where, you know, explain it to me like I'm five. Because that's, that's, it, it gets complicated quickly, but you can do it because you, I know, because you, you've explained it to me before. So just explain so it to me. Yeah. So it sounds, it sounds complicated, but it's, it's not. Um, what Raymond EMC does is we manufacture radio frequency shielded enclosures and test chambers. So essentially it's a big metal box that keeps either radio waves out or keeps radio waves in. Now it could be a tabletop enclosure for testing small devices where we've built enclosures the size of like a hockey rink. Um, so it's, it's, it's basically six sides, all metal, and it just keeps radio waves out or in. That's what we do. Um, we, we, there's several industries that we support. The main one that we support is what's called electromagnetic compatibility testing. And this is, this, this is the way that electronics get along with other electronics and i've used the illustration before of if you're driving in your car you you know you've got an electronic throttle module and an electronic braking module and if you at the airport where there's this really strong radio frequency signal that guides planes down onto the the uh the runway you don't want that signal to interfere with your car and tell your throttle module to go full blast and your braking module to stop working that would be really bad so all of these electronic devices in automotive in in uh, household electronics commercial electronics aviation uh, aerospace military it's all tested to ensure that it won't uh, malfunction when it's in the presence of strong electromagnetic fields and also so that it doesn't emit too much uh, electromagnetic energy and interfere with other devices that it may be may be close to so we equip our clients to do that testing and ensure that they're um, electronic devices are electromagnetically. He just froze. We'll have him back in a second, Dory. I think I lost you there for a minute. No, you just froze for a second. Okay. Uh, um, hopefully, <laughs> every time you talk about this, is exactly by the way, folks. Enjoy <laughs> the conversation. <laughs> as soon as he starts talking about electromagnetic waves, like the, the conversation is like, oh, yeah. And then there's a freeze. So this is what happened. So, um, but this time, I, I hopefully, I, I don't think, I think last time, though, you had to sign off, right? Like, I think. Yeah, no, it, the connection went unstable. So I think we're good. Okay. Yeah. That's, this is okay. So, what and the reason I, I mentioned this earlier in the in the interview was was about how you know bridging gaps 
is because the people that work under you, like for you in your business, you have some who only have high school and you have what, three engineers, right? So yeah. there's a real balance with, and, and you started out and I, and I, um, I love this part of your story and I want you to tell it for people so that, so that they understand. And the, some people that work in your business who aren't university graduates, they're not PhDs, they're installers, which is exactly how you started, right? Yeah, correct. And I think that, that sort of my, my experience, um, you know, to make a very long story short, I'm, I'm 51 and I've been in the industry since uh, for almost 30 years now. Anyway, I started off working for Landscaper. He did some installs, uh, you know, putting these rooms together. I helped him with that. And then when Raymond EMC was, was uh, purchased or, or, or um, it was an old company that was purchased by the new owner, he needed a tester. Grade 13 physics was enough that I understood wave theory and electromagnetics. So I went from being the landscaper's laborer to being his technical authority and verifying that he was doing his job correctly. So that was sort of an interesting dynamic to, to navigate. Um, and then I, I worked in the industry sort of part-time for a number of years. Um, and then in, two, I, I believe it was 2002, I sort of decided, you know what, I've got to be singly focused here and either, um, you know, I was working in, in a church setting and sort of part-time uh, doing some, some uh, you know, public speaking and stuff like that. And then doing, um, working in this industry to supplement my income. And I sort of got to the point where I realized, you know what, I need to go singly focused on uh, one way or the other. Right. I need to go singly focused and I've got three kids and, uh, you know, I got to feed them. So, and this business thing is working out pretty good. So that's the direction that, that, uh, that I went. Um, so I started my own install company and for a number of years, I did uh, installs for a, a few other companies, but mostly for Raymond EMC. And then just the way that things came together, I had an opportunity to buy the company in, uh, we started talking about it in 2010, but I closed the deal in 2012. So I bought the company in 2012. So it is an interesting company because we have um, technicians and we've got engineers. Right. Your technicians are just putting stuff together. And I shouldn't, I don't even like saying it. They're just putting stuff together without the check technicians. Raymond EMC dies because they're really the ones that, that get the real work done. And um, so, so it's, it's an interesting dynamic. And I think it probably just flows naturally from, me being an installer, there's a tremendous amount of respect for our guys that work with their hands from the, the academic side. So the office side, um, you know, we really look at them as the, the source of most of our knowledge. And then we apply engineering principles uh, and, and sort of figure out why things work when they do it this way and why things don't work when they do it this way. Um, but it's, uh, it's an interesting dynamic dynamic for sure. Yeah. And, and I, and I love that because it's coming from the top down because you were the installer. Now you're the owner of the business. Um, that, that leadership is going to naturally feed itself into the company. Right. So you don't have, Correct. you don't have the imbalance where, you know, you know, whether it's the educator or your, your administrators, right. We have this in all different fields. Um, are feeling like, hey, listen to me, to people down below them. And uh, I could dig into that. But I, I want to go to 
um, talking about buying, and, and when we talked before, Bruce, you you had mentioned that it, it wasn't a risk for you, but other people might have considered a risk when you when you bought the company. And I know, like for the entrepreneurs who are listening to this, um, we talk about risk assessment. You know, somebody says, I want to do this business. I want to do this on my own. Um, I want to start this online business or whatever. And, but I, I love your, you have this kind of interesting theory in it. And so we're going to, I'm going to ask you a two-part question. So the first one is, when you decided to buy the business, why was it that you didn't see it as risky? Because it was fairly expensive, Right. Yeah, it wasn't, it was, when, the way that I, I bought the business is I did it on what's called a vendor take-back loan. So um, I paid a smaller than normal deposit and spent five years working my guts out to pay off the uh, the vendor take-back loan. Um, it was, I guess it was risky, but at, at, when I bought Raymond EMC, it felt like less risk than when I started my own install company. Um, and I think it's because when I started my own install company, you know, I, um, I think I've told you this before I spent, um, I'd been doing installs for, for a little bit and then I spent $70,000 on electronic test gear. That was probably the, the oh, most right. the scariest moment. Um, you know, it was like, oh my gosh, $70,000. How's that going to pay for itself? Yeah. Like, what if it, what if this doesn't work? What, what if I can't, what if I can't sell this? What if I can't find clients? What if I can't, you know, and it was, it was, you know, I cashed in a bunch of RSPs and, and bought the test gear. And, um, you know, it was, I would say it was a slow start, but the thing is I kept at it. And as I got to the point where Raymond EMC was on the table and for sale, I'd had enough experience in the industry and enough experience in running my own install business that it was the next logical step. And the interesting thing is I was kind of getting bored doing installs. It was kind of like, okay, I've done this. I'm, I'm, I'm good at it. I'm making money. Like what's the next challenge? And this presented itself. And it was sort of more, uh, when I look back at it now, I look back more at embracing the challenge as opposed to taking a risk. Well, then that's interesting because I think there's a, there's a couple of lines to connect there for entrepreneurs is one um, is that, yeah, let's say you're doing your regular day job and, and you're making money and, and that's fine. But, but what's the next challenge for you? You know, like do that thing that lights you up. If, 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 you know, when I, when I um, started the, the online course, how to write 90 minutes and I, and I last year and this year I started this YouTube channel and, and all that, it's because it lights me up, right? To teach and 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 it gives. And I just feel like sometimes, um, for entrepreneurs in particular, and and artists too, who are in their own way, you know, entrepreneurs is like that's that's the call, right? That's that's the that's the call that you should be listening to. And 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 I'm not telling anybody ever to quit their day job because I still haven't quit my day job. I still work with special needs kids during the day. I still enjoy it. Um, but is the goal to not have to do that in the future? Yeah, that's the goal. So, um, so your steps, that first one, you're right. I, I, for, I'd forgotten about that. The, uh, the massive and like at that time, the big investment, um, and the, you didn't have the surety of, 
of running your own business. And of course, now, and, and here's one other thing I want to point out before I move on, because part of this, because I know you so well, is your personality and how it really helps entrepreneurs. Because to me, your personality, I would describe you as implacable. So, but I'll let you... I'll let you tell people what, how do you think your personality has helped you um, as an entrepreneur and running your own business? So I, I can't tell you why exactly, but I've always had a very sort of calm demeanor. Never get too high, never get too low, just look at things. And um, sort of my approach to things is, is I'm much more of a will see person than a reactionary person, right? Like, like I get, I get great news in, in the business from time to time and I get bad news in the business from time to time. And I find my approach is always okay. Like, especially with bad news and, and entrepreneurs are dealing with, with, you know, we'll call it bad news all the time. Things don't go the way that you want them to go. Um, you know, I remember, I remember, um, uh, probably one of the, when I was just, when I'd started doing installs, um, I was, you know, I was doing the installs I was handling. I had two guys working for me at that time. I was handling, um, uh, my payroll, all of my financials, and I forgot to pay my WSIB bill. So, uh, they froze my account and I was like, how do you navigate this? So I'm like, okay. I can't be the first person this has happened to. I just need to figure out how to get through this. So I got on the phone with WSIB and they said, yeah, here's what you need to do. You need to drop money order off at the office, blah, blah, blah. So, so I took care of it, but um, I didn't freak out. I just figured, okay, you know what? There's gotta be a solution here. I'm not the first person that's had this, this experience. Um, so I'll figure it out and I'll sort it out. Yeah, I, I just think that's so helpful for entrepreneurs to hear because um, I'm a little bit more excitable than you, although yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit. No, but but uh, you know, I'm almost fifty now, and it's a you know try to you know learn how to, and especially um, now I was a writer for a long time, and still obviously I'm a writer, but I mean submitting novels, you face rejection. Um, that's just part of the deal, you know, submit ideals for columns or uh, for magazines or whatever, and you get the notice back and now this, you know, we're not interested. That's part of the life. Right. And so, um, and now of course, then this year, one of the things that I keep learning is even, and, you know, we were talking about this before the show is that I released my first writers, uh, writing life Academy. They're just short videos. that's going to be on this channel. Um, just quick writing tips. And I, I was actually a little bit nervous about it, but, um, but I listened to enough people that just said, just, just go forward. It's not going to be perfect. Don't worry about it. And then, and then you fix it as you go. So, you know, so if something's not working and so for anybody listening out there, I love Bruce's approach. And I think as much as you can, now it depends on your personality, so mine, you know, you know, I'm not going to get to Bruce's level, but, 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 you know, one of the things is you just gotta, you gotta walk through it. And, 
the last time we spoke, you, you had a good idea about failure because um, when we talk about entrepreneurs, you say, oh, I launched this or, or product or I, I was trying to do this um, and it failed. But, but you had an interesting spin on that. Well, I, I think that um, I'm pretty hesitant to call anything a failure. Um, and I think there's, there's a also, you know, not everything goes well, not everything goes right as an entrepreneur. You're going to face adversity. That's part of the deal. And you and I are both, are both sports guys. We both coached. Um, yeah. You didn't ask about the uh, Leitrim Hawks record. Thank you. Um, <laughs> best, best group of kids I've ever, I've ever coached. Um, haven't had a great record. But I think one of the, the things that, that we've done as a team is we've learned how to win in the loss. We've learned how to improve and get better each game, each practice. And yeah, you can go out there against a team that's stacked and they'll just, they'll just, they'll just smoke you. But there's still, you can still find fun in the, in the challenge. You can still find fun in the, hey, you know what? I keep making this mistake. When I'm under pressure, I keep turning over the puck. I get under pressure and I hold on to the puck and I turn it over. So how do we fix that now? How do we make it so that you get under pressure and you either move the puck, you dump it in deep or something like that? I think in business, it's it's very much the same in that the losses don't have to be losses. Um, And it's really how you frame the narrative around that for yourself, where you take the lessons out of the loss and say, okay, um, is there anything I could have done different? Is there anything I should have done different? Is there like... What can I be doing different? And, um, you know, it's, 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 uh, don't expect, I, I think there's sort of a, especially in young entrepreneurs, this, there's this idea that, oh, I've got this great idea. Everybody's going to love it. Well, what if they don't? Yeah. What if they don't? Then you need, then if, if you believe your idea is good, then you need to show them that they'll love that idea. And you're going to have to, you know, put blood, sweat, and tears into it. And, um, you know, certainly with, with my business, um, there's been a lot of long hours. I don't work the long hours like I used to, um, but there's been a lot of long hours, a lot of sore backs, uh, you know, a lot of cuts on my hands from, from you know, handling metal in, on installs. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's been challenging. But I find that it's, it's actually more enjoyable solving the challenge than when you sort of, when you, when you solve it and it's over. Interesting story. Um, so I told you, I, I bought the company on a, a vendor take back loan. Right. And it was, it was, you know, it was, cash flow was challenging for the five years of that vendor take back loan, right? Like it was really challenging to keep payroll going, keep paying our taxes, keep paying for materials, stuff like that. And we had to be like very, very meticulous with our, with our accounting and, and, and scheduling cash flow. Um, and I, I paid off, uh, the business was paid off. I got a call from my lawyer saying everything's filed. It's done. It was uh, July 19, uh, 2000, 2017. I was sitting on the dock at my cottage. My lawyer said it's done. And it was like, yes. And I went into, I went into a three month funk where it was just like, I thought I'd be happier. And I, I realized oh, that right. I was actually enjoying the challenge of I'm going to get to this, this, this milestone. Right. And I right. didn't, I hadn't set any other milestones for myself and I hadn't set any other challenges for myself. 
So as a result, I was like, okay, it's paid off. What do I do now? I don't know. Just yeah. show up to work, I guess. You know, yeah. and I went, I went, I got into a bit of a sort of a three month funk where it was like, I thought I'd be a lot happier after I'd paid off the business, but I didn't have, I hadn't set myself up for a next challenge. Yeah, I, it's interesting because that makes me think, and I, I have some really successful entrepreneur friends um, who, one of the things that makes them successful, but one of the, is they love the game. Like they love the process, right? Like, and when I say love the game, I'm not talking about uh, the entrepreneurship part being a game, but just comparing it to sports as you did. I remember a number of years ago, I coached a, a senior girls basketball team. They, I, I'd gone to this high school and they didn't have a coach for the senior girls team. And they said, well, if nobody's going to coach, you know, um, then we'll have to cancel the team, right? The boys teams always get snapped up, right? So, and I had never coached girls before, only boys, but I said, oh, no, I'll do it. And we went 0-10 that year. <laughs> um, our best opportunity to win was uh, the fourth quarter of the last game of the season. We had a 4-2 to two lead. and it was probably my favorite year coaching it they're wonderful kids um we learned a lot you know watched them grow but but and and had a really good time which of course ultimately is what sports is about aside from the side benefits it teaches you stuff but yeah you got to enjoy the process and i and i love that what you're saying to the entrepreneurs here is is the goal is you can set goals, but the, but ultimately the goal has to still be um, enjoying the process, right? Like whether it's figuring out how to do this marketing thing or whether it's figuring out um, who your target audience is or maybe shifting from one product to another because you're not generating any leads with this one. And if you can enjoy yourself in that, because you are going to work long hours, right? I mean, that's... For sure. You know, like that's a, I, I, I feel like there's this misnomer. People are like, oh, we're going to build passive income. Yeah, it's passive income, but you got to work your ass off to get to passive income. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> right? So. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I do get a kick out of, out of sort of the, the, um, the idea of an entrepreneur. And, and, you know, you've got sort of your, you talk entrepreneurs and you think of like the Jeff Bezos and the Elon Musk's and these guys, these guys are all outliers. Okay. Yeah. Uh, if you can do that, good for you, more power to you. But, but they're, they're, they're a handful of, of outliers. Um, and most entrepreneurs, it's a, it's a very rewarding, but it's a daily grind. And I found that, I mean, I don't think it's any secret that, that, um, you know, that, that my company is doing well and that, that I, I live a very comfortable lifestyle. Um, I didn't always, like there was a time where Anne and I didn't have two nickels to rub together. And, um, you know, so, and, and yeah. what I've learned is, is if you're not happy with nothing, you're not going to be happy with something. And yeah, it's, it really becomes more about the journey and the challenge of, okay, getting to that next milestone. And for the young entrepreneurs, don't set the, don't set the milestones too high. You know, like, don't, don't, don't like, you know, some people start a business, they've got a great idea. And it's like in, in a year and a half, I'm going to be hundred percent employed by the, by, by my business. It's like, well, if you, if you're going to beat the odds then by, by 
times two because it takes about three years for a startup to get profitable. And that's when somebody's working full time in that business, if it's going to be successful. And of course, there's always the, you know, well, 80 percent of startups fail. Don't let that discourage you because usually, you know, when you hear 80% of startups fail, it's because some guy is, or, or some girl is, you know, taken like seven or eight shots at it and had, you know, two successful companies and the rest were a bust, but they keep, they keep living that journey and, and, and hitting those milestones. And, um, you know, as far as, as failure in business goes, um, be careful what you label a failure because some, just because it's not a win doesn't mean that it's a loss. No. And, 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 you know, even if you, um, two things I want to touch on. Number one, um, when, when it comes to working hard and we joked about that, but listen, I can tell you this. I, I was a writer in my early twenties. I decided I really wanted to become a novelist. That's really what I wanted to do. And of course it influenced, I didn't go to school for teacher's college because I didn't want to be working after school marking papers. Um, and so over, it took 25 years, you know, two over two decades of writing every day, you know, Bruce, and listen, I stunk in the beginning. Like I would write something and think, this is awesome. And I'd look at it the next day and I'd realize, holy smokes, you know, I'd open my, <laughs> I'd, I'd open my, I'd open my book and, and I was whatever book I was reading. And I'd be like, these two things are not the same, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and so it took, it took a long time to, to become to the point where now as an author and editor and a, a writing coach and uh, creator of a writing course, but that took years and years of discipline and doing it. And the other, second thing I want to say is if, if you can create a business that gives you 500 extra dollars a month and you love doing it, you know, as a, you say, keep your day job or whatever, but now you have this side business where you, it's an extra $500 a month or an extra $1,000 a month. For a lot of people, that's game changing in two ways. Number one, you're going to be more happy because you're actually doing something you like. And two, that's a lot of money, right? An extra yeah. 10, 15,000 a year is a lot of money. Um, and so you're, you're winning twice. And so that's why, you know, like I would just encourage anybody who's listening to this or watching this on YouTube, you know, like Bruce says, it, Take his advice. Don't don't set that bar at I'm I'm hitting five hundred thousand dollars in two years, right? You know, may, if you get there, awesome. To me, what I've learned is I, I'm gonna the bar is set as I'm trying to learn something new, one or two things new about what I'm doing every week, right? And so then you take that information and and I mentioned earlier I, I have writing videos that are now going out on my YouTube channel. Bruce, last year, <laughs> to put out one of those videos would take me a couple of weeks' work. Sure. To, you're, you're right, like figuring out how to use PowerPoint, figuring out how to use the video, figuring out, you know, all that stuff. I can do them in one day now, like an eight-minute video. That's write the script, record it, video it, and post it. And it takes one day. That's the difference, right? And, so, and that's the thing about, about entrepreneurship too, is entrepreneurs will, will find their flow. And I realize that, you know, the idea of find your flow is sort of a very typical business jargony thing to talk about these days. <laughs> um, but, but you do find the things that you love to do and the things that you're really, really good at and the things that you can leverage in your business. 
Um, and as you grow, like for instance, with, with, uh, with my, my uh, company, as we've grown, uh, you know, we've hired people to do more work, but we've also hired uh, so that I can step out of doing the things that I just don't flow in. Like, don't ask me to, to, to balance books. I already told you, I forgot to pay my WSIB at, at, in, uh, you know, back in the early 2000s. It's like, I'm not, I'm not an accounting guy. So find the accounting person who loves to do that and empower them to, 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 to do what they do and where they flow. And that allows me to do what, what I like to do and where I can find that flow. At the be, at, in the beginning, when you start a small business, obviously you have to do it all. But That's as right. you grow you find those things that you can leverage and be good at. And, uh, you know, and, and, you know, some people, they, they, their, their goal in, in entrepreneurship may be that extra thousand dollars a month or extra $500 a month doing like, you know, most of us, when we do the things we love, we have to pay somebody else. So if you can find something you love to do and get people to pay you to do it at the same time, that's, that's awesome. Right. Um, yeah. So, but you can, you can, you can leverage other people's talents, skills, and abilities because there's people out there. Like if I was, if I was, um, you know, working a, a regular job and running a, a side thing, I would be looking for somebody to take care of my accounting. Definitely. Because I'm not good at it. I don't like it. And it makes things just, I just don't like it. So I would be looking to, to leverage, even though it's only going to be, you know, a couple hours a month for somebody that's, that's, that's earning a thousand dollars a month in their business. Hey, you know what? Don't get bogged down because it's like you said, you've, you've now gotten good at video. Um, and, but it took you a while to get there. And now you really enjoy doing that. If you didn't enjoy editing, uh, you know what? There's lots of people that are really good at editing that would be happy to help, help out edit, you know? So there's, there's always somebody there that can, you can, you can leverage and work with and, uh, you know, there's always those, those options and, and really finding what you love and how you flow is important. Yeah. And, and you can always partner too. Like, that's the other thing about it being like the entrepreneurship is uh, the community is, you know, okay. So, so I, I teach writing, right. I do writing videos. So who, who then can I partner up with also, right. That doesn't teach writing, but maybe they're in the education system or, um, and I think you and I have mentioned this, maybe, maybe they're, you're, you own, you're an owner and, and you have tradespeople um, and you just want to help them learn how to write a little bit better, right? So, or you're an educator and something like that. So it's the convergence of, of, of you know, what you love to do. Like you, I, I hate accounting. You know, my dad was an accountant. Yeah. And uh, the apple right. rolled, rolled really far from the tree, down a hill, <laughs> into the ocean. Um, and so, and I have heard, like, when you listen to the top guys, they say, when, you're, when your business gets to the point where, um, you know, you're successful enough as an entrepreneur, you always delegate. You know, don't, don't work on the stuff that you really hate. You know, it'll, it'll drag you down. Um, but that's also the, the opposite, like we were talking about earlier, is why... If, if you're going to be an entrepreneur, you do something that you love, right? Yeah. This is, and this is true for artists as well. Um, you want to write, right? Because it, it, even if you're not making any money off of it, um, you'll be better for it, you know? Or if you're a painter, paint, you know? Yeah. Who, who cares if you're only selling that painting for 20 bucks? Like, just do it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I think... And that, go ahead, sorry. And, and that's, that's one of the things about entrepreneurship, especially when you're starting out um, 
you know, a, a guy told me years ago about, about business. He said, you can't steer a ship that isn't moving. So if you're thinking about entre entrepreneurship, about doing something in business, um, you know, providing a good or a service, whatever it is you want to do, you can't just sit there and wait for it to materialize and happen. It's kind of like, you know, if you went fishing, you know, you wouldn't sit there with your, your fishing rod in hand and the hook not in the water, just waiting for the right fish to come along, right? Like, I'm just, I'm just waiting for, for that, you know, that, that five and a half pound bass to swim by and then I'm going to throw the rod. Like, that's not how you fish. You throw in a line and then you wait and you see what bites. And maybe nothing's biting today or maybe something is, who knows? And entrepreneurship can be like that where it's like, if you want to do something, then do something. And, yeah. and start moving forward and you'll figure out, you know, you can course correct as you go. Um, you know, okay, well, this isn't working out. I'm going to steer over here. That's a great way to, to get started, but you have to be doing something. Yeah. We had a, we had another, uh, I had another uh, entrepreneur, Amberly Grant on, on this show, even though depending on when I released them, this is season one, you may hear after this, but I love what she said. She said, takes 20 seconds of courage. 20 seconds of courage just, just to do something like go, like you think this is a good idea. Try it, go do yeah. it. And, and, and if we have that mindset, we're far more likely um, to not only get started, but to keep going. Well, listen, Bruce, man, this has been awesome. Um, we got the whole thing this time. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Excellent. All right, folks. Um, Bruce, uh, your information will be down below if people want to reach you, correct? Yep. I can put that Raymond information. RaymondEMC.ca. Uh, okay. RaymondEMC.ca. And uh, all of our company info is there. So if you didn't understand the description of electromagnetics, you can go on our website and, and uh, see if you can figure it out. <laughs> I've heard it a few times now. I'm starting again. So <laughs> nice. <laughs> All right, guys, listen, uh, my name is Stephen R. Burns. Thanks so much for hanging out with us today. If you're watching this on YouTube, uh, I have a free gift. Just click on the link uh, for you, a free writing guide for you. Just let me know where to send it. Um, and we will see you back very soon. Take care. <laughs>